0: Well, we're in transition, and so we're doing a series, religious freedom in transition. There's surely going to be changes afoot in religious freedom policy and practice from the Trump administration to a new Biden administration. And I've been inviting a series of guests from different perspectives to give us their point of view today. My guest is Tim Schultz, president of the First Amendment Partnership. Tim, welcome back to
1: Freedom's Ring, my friend. Great to be with you, Alan, as always. And it's been too long, but we'll have to remedy that. I agree it has been too long, and I don't take offense. But if it's this long again, Alan, I will take offense.
0: Okay, fair enough. I am (laughs) forewarned and forearmed.
1: (laughs) I'm kidding. All right.
0: No, I know. We've known each other too long. All right. So looking back on the Trump administration,
1: highlights, positives, firsts, Well, the positives are on the domestic religious freedom claims. The Trump administration has taken uh, domestic, uh, you know, within the United States, claims about religious freedom seriously. Um, There have been a number of executive orders uh, that have protected religious freedom for people of all faiths. Um, You know, a lot of the clashes that we've seen in the last four or five years between LGBTQ uh, rights and religious rights Uh, The Trump administration has taken the religious claims in those cases very seriously. They've weighed in uh, in filings in federal courts uh, when these clashes have arisen. And I think that they've generally taken those rights seriously. And I think that that's been a good thing. Um, I think that the Trump administration relieved the pressure on the little sisters of the poor. That was a case left over from the Obama administration. I think they were just to do that. So I think that there were some things. Uh, within the Trump administration on religious freedom within the United States that were generally positive. Okay. And um, what
0: about, I mean, one of the things people point to is, uh, you know, three Supreme Court justices and many federal court appointments. That's right. How do you think that those
1: bode in terms of the future of religious freedom? Well, I think that the fact that, you know, a very great percentage of federal judiciary, including three the SCOTUS justices, Uh, were appointed by uh, this president and that all of them seem to have a fairly broad view of religious liberty. I mean, all, but I would say that, you know, if you look at the three Supreme court justices, that's definitely the case. Um, And I think that, uh, I mean, I think that's generally a good thing. Um, So yes, I think that that's a, that's, that's a positive part of what Trump has done. Uh, Obviously there have been some negatives and I know we'll get to those in a second.
0: Well, uh so a second is up yeah okay well uh, i mean if you have do you have some other positives that you want to point to before
1: we look at any criticism yeah, I, I think trump generally had people working with it in his administration who took religious freedom seriously um you know so appointments a lot of times personnel is policy and i think that from the attorney general uh from attorney general bar on down to people that were in Various cabinet agencies. I think the people that, that he had working for him, in most most cases, really took religious freedom seriously. He appointed former uh, Kansas Governor Sam Brownback as his international religious freedom ambassador. Of you know, whatever you think of former Governor Senator Brownback, I think he does take a very broad view of religious liberty. Um, so again, I think that on that score, you know, that was that was that was positive.
0: Okay, so uh, you kind of hinted that there are also some negatives.
1: Yeah. Well, the negatives are uh, a couple. One is just, Alan, I think in the long term, religious liberty can't be, if it's an utterly polarized issue, if it's just something that Republicans and Christians, uh, you know, see as valid or just Republicans see as valid, that is a real problem in the long term in a pluralistic country. And I think President Trump's style uh, and modus operandi are so polarizing that anything that he is associated with, you know, automatically has the opposition of somewhere between 45 and 55 percent of the country. Right. Now, part of that is just the, the polarized era that we're in. But there is an additive polarization factor with President Trump, with his style and approach. And I think that then the whole cause of religious liberty, one that you and I both have worked on for, you know, well before Trump became president. I think the whole cause of religious liberty is discredited by its association with such a polarizing figure, at least discredited in the minds of otherwise fair-minded and persuasive people. And I think that's a really big concern.
0: And I look at specific things like what has been called the Muslim ban. That was my next thing. You know, as, as kind of indicative, yep. because... Um, what you have is the Trump administration weighing in very strongly in favor of religious freedom for Christians. Correct. But then, you know, on two fronts, the Muslim ban, and none of our guests so far have talked about restrictions on asylum, but religious, the refusal to grant uh, religious uh, claimants for asylum exactly. has been
1: another huge problem. Those were my two issues. I mean, the when it comes to the international politics, and that's, by the way, where a president has almost unreviewable power, right, foreign policy is, is really within the purview of the executive branch of government. And, and the Supreme Court even agreed that Trump had constitutional authority to do his, you know, what you call Muslim ban. And I think that's exactly how Trump saw it. So I think that both on the policy of preventing uh, Muslims from coming to the United States And just on the rhetoric of saying that somehow Islam is not a religion worthy of protection by a country like ours, I think that that is absolutely toxic. And then I think that, as you say, our our reduction in refugees and asylees, uh, people coming in for political asylum purposes, look that that affects Christians very heavily who are being persecuted around the world. But it affects people of all faiths, and I think again. That is a, you know, everybody that I know who works in refugee and asylum policy, most of them are religious in nature. I mean, our biggest refugee and asylum programs in the country are run by religious entities. And they were all absolutely um, just uh, could not be more worried about the policies that this administration advanced in those areas. So, and I really expect, and I know, uh, you know, you're, anyway, that's what I think have been the biggest failures of this administration.
0: Well, and. You know, listening, and I've listened to several people talk about some of these issues, and one of the questions I asked our first guest, Bettina Kraus, who works on international issues, is kind of the rubber meets the road. You know, we know that the, the Pew reports about the number of countries that have severe restrictions on religious liberty, the amount of persecution of various believers is growing, not shrinking. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of shining spotlights and, and emphasis and, you know, meetings about religious freedom. But, you know, have we actually made a dent? And the concrete issues you're pointing to uh, suggest that, you know, the America first approach uh, has not increased our ability to, uh, to address these issues, but has had the opposite effect.
1: Well, and, and, you know, one of the worst examples of this is the way China has mistreated the Uyghur Muslims, um, you know, apparently herding them into concentration camps and putting them into forced labor, which is just egregious, as bad as it, act, as it really can get. And that's not something that this administration has really challenged. In fact, you know, before COVID hit and China became a kind of target of, of this administration, you know, there was a there was a real relationship between the U.S. and China on, you know, trying to make a big trade deal. And there have been a number of reports that President Trump really didn't care at all about uh, the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. And I, that's, you know, it, it's egregious um, and and an area that we may actually have had some leverage to to protect them. We mm-hmm. we, we did absolutely nothing.
0: Well, it was reported that he actually praised um, China yeah.
1: for that policy with respect to the Uyghurs. Because he was told by their president that they liked it. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Um, well, I mean, at this point, there's legislation pending in Congress to sanction. And I gather uh, to sanction China or to, and to restrict businesses uh, from buying products you know, uh, manufactured with labor from these concentration camps, right? That's right. And, you know, the recent report that I read, and by the time this show airs, who knows what's going to happen with that, but uh, some of our large companies like Apple, for example. Coca-Cola. And, uh, you know, they're lobbying against it yeah. because, you
1: know, that that is part of their supply chain. Yeah, and I, I think that's extremely bad.
0: So we'll see what happens with that. But I think the situation with the Uyghurs has got to be right up there. And, you know, if not the number one, one of the most egregious um, issues that we're facing in religious freedom globally right now. No,
1: Yeah, because I think that we at least have the possibility of of having an impact on that. I mean, I think that the problem we always have internationally is, is that the regimes that most restrict religious freedom are also the least amenable. To moral suasion right or they wouldn't be doing it in the first place but in china i think that you have the fact that many u.s companies um, have a big part of their operations there and so i think it's not so much that we persuade the chinese government suddenly become you know you know humanistic i think the challenge what we have to do is persuade american companies to not continue to do business um, the way they are in china because it, it involves fundamental violations of human rights
0: good point um any other observations about uh, the Trump record or would you like to turn uh, turn to looking to the future and your thoughts on Biden administration?
1: Well, just that, you know, one of the things I've said to my fellow religious freedom you know professional advocates is, is that the strategy to protect religious freedom um, can't assume that Republicans are going to always control the White House. Right. If, in other words, if your strategy is we're going to we're just going to fight. On our terms, and we're just going to assume that we're always going to have political power, that is a really great strategy until you lose the executive branch of government. And now, you know, the executive branch of government is in President Biden's hands. And, uh, and I think a lot of people have not have not prepared adequately for this uh, possibility. So uh, in terms of the incoming
0: Biden administration, things that you think are going to be positive and, and negatives.
1: Well, I expect uh, that uh, President Biden will do much better than President Trump did on these international matters, these failings that we just discussed. Um, he's already said that he's going to go back to our previous levels of refugees and asylees. He announced that at a Catholic refugee agency. So I think that's a really positive thing. Um, you know, Biden, though, I will say, has had a kind of record on China that is. Uh, shall we say, fairly accommodationist. And I think that, uh, you know, that remains to be seen, how much political capital he's going to be willing to spend to make China, uh, you know, less bad on human rights, including religious rights. I think on these questions about religious liberty vis-a-vis LGBT rights, that's a real open question. And I expect Biden to be more weighing that toward the LGBT rights side of the equation than President Trump did. I think the real $64,000 question is whether he goes all the way over into the territory where religious freedom really is injured uh, by what he chooses to do. Um, and so I think that, you know, yeah, I think that there's sort of two paths available mm-hmm. for President Biden. One is the path that he sort of is reported to emerge within when he was the vice president. I mean, remember when the Obama administration was debating internally. When they, uh, you know, went out with the Affordable Care Act and the mandates around contraception and and possibly, uh, you know, abortion-inducing drugs, Biden really urged internally for an accommodationist position for religion internally. He lost that argument. But the question is, is he now going to, as president, be accommodationist, or is he going to give way to some in his party who say, you know, that religion is just about being a, a license to discriminate, and we need to go after them? And that is a really open question. So we're going to leave it there yep. and uh, wait to
0: see what happens. Uh, you know, very interesting developments. Our guest today, Tim Schultz, uh, president of the First Amendment Partnership, a pleasure as always. A great discussion. Yes, indeed. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Alan. As we close, friends, remember at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom, we help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinhardt. Until next week, let freedom ring.